0: Um, so I want to read from Romans chapter six, verses eight through 11 to get us started. This would be our adoration and, and just take a moment just to praise God for being who he is. So, uh, we're going to do that and, um, and then we're going to sing a song. And so Romans chapter six, verses eight through 11 says, now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So today we're going to talk a little bit about what the crucifixion and what the resurrection means for us practically. Specifically, we're going to look at a passage that Christ talks to his apostles. Um, but I wanted to take a time and just remember Christ conquered death and gave us life. And that means we're dead to sin and we're alive in Christ. And Ephesians would say that we're seated uh, with him on the throne in him. And so Christ gives us life in a, in a dying world that he's going to redeem. And I want to praise Jesus for that. Um, the, uh, the, the, uh, this verse and and with Mike leading us in worship.
1: All right. Well, this isn't one that we haven't done very many times before. I think we've done it once at church Um, and it's kind of hard to sing along with. I think that's why we only did it once, but uh, it's uh, kind of a unique situation right now. And the words are so beautiful that I just thought, you know, since we can't really all sing together, um, this is a good song to be able to read along with um, especially In light of what today is, so this one is Oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go. 16:25
2: I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world.
0: All right, if you are new, I just want to catch you up on what we're doing. Uh, This year we're going through uh, a series on discipleship. What we kind of recognized was uh, there, there's a lot of different understandings on what discipleship is. And so we kind of want to take the year and look at how Jesus discipled people, um, how Jesus discipled the rich and the poor and how Jesus discipled tax collectors and even his disciples. And, and then for Easter, we uh, we're taking a break and uh, we're asking, so what? Uh, last week, uh, Andy led us through uh, Jesus died. So what? What does that matter for us? Uh, Today, we're looking at Jesus rose from the dead. So what? What is the impact on that? And so uh, we're going to be in John chapter 16, verses 25 through 33. If you've got a Bible, you can turn it there. Uh, John 16, 25 through 33. Uh, I'm going to pray. And then I am going to try my very best to preach a 20-minute sermon to the glory of God and the joy of everyone who's listening. Uh, so let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the love that you've loved us with. Jesus, thank you that you came to the earth, that you put on skin, that you love us, that you are willing to die for us. Thank you that you uh, defeat death. Thank you that you are glorious and wonderful and worthy to be praised and I ask that right now you would help me to speak what is right and true. I'll open our hearts and minds to your word and what you you think about us and what you've done for us. And I ask that we would all be drawn closer to you, knowing you and loving you and believing you. In your name. Amen. Um, so for the last couple of weeks, I've been I've been thinking about and praying about and wondering what God would have me tell you about the resurrection. And my tendency would be to present you with a list. I enjoy lists. Lists are nice. Uh, Something like 20 things that prove the resurrection. I have that list. I wrote that first before I wrote this sermon. And then I threw it away. Um, 10 ways Jesus overcomes the world. Or maybe I even had a thought. um, the, The defeat of death. That would be helpful, especially in a time where, where people are actually realizing that they have absolutely no control over their death. And that lack of control breeds fear. And so maybe presenting the one that conquers death would be pretty enticing. And, and Jesus did conquer death. I actually texted another pastor earlier today and he you know, sent me one of those, he is risen. And then you're supposed to apply he is risen indeed, but I didn't, instead I said, it's always a good day to remember that Jesus punched death in the face and um, And Jesus did like he conquered death that 's a huge, huge, amazing thing but i don 't think Jesus wants me to give that sermon uh, instead i think I think the most helpful and most hopeful thing is to look at what Jesus actually told his disciples about the crucifixion and resurrection, and so in the book of John. Chapter 16, verses 25 through 33, Jesus is going to do just that. I'm going to read it again, and then we'll dive in. Uh, John chapter 16, 25 through 33, Jesus says, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. And that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that you will ask the Father on your behalf, I just skipped a whole huge section. Let's restart. I've said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I'll ask the Father on your behalf for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. And now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you come from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Uh, Just before this passage uh, that we read, Jesus explains to them that he's going away, and they will be sorrowful. He's speaking of his crucifixion. Uh, then he speaks and, and, and tells them that he's going to be seen by them again, and he's talking about his resurrection. And lastly, he explains that he's going to go to the Father, and that's his ascension. <laughs> after this passage, in John chapter 17, uh, he prays to the Father, and, and really you see a, a beautiful prayer about unity. Um, and then after John 17, John, the writer of the gospel, moves us directly into the betrayal and arrest and crucifixion. So this passage that we're looking at is the last time Jesus speaks to his disciples before his death in the book of John. And that's important. That means that there's something here that John wants us to see. And I think, specifically, I think there's three things, three topics that John really wants us to zero in that, that Jesus draws out and explains to his disciples uh, about his crucifixion and resurrection. Three things that, that he solidifies in the crucifixion and resurrection for them. And that is number one, love. Number two, belief. and Number three, peace. Jesus describes his crucifixion and resurrection to the disciples and focuses on those three 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 things, love, belief, and peace. And so I want to look briefly at those things in this passage uh, before we break up into our, our micro churches. Uh, number one, love. Uh, verses 25 through 27. I've said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say that you will ask the Father, or do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. What does the crucifixion say about love? Number one, and most importantly, God loves you. I mean, I mean, He actually loves you. I th- you might think, like, duh, Nick. Uh, I know that. Uh, I read John 3.16 once. We'll read that later. But no, I want you to really, really think about that for a second. Jesus is looking at his disciples and he tells them, man, the father loves you. I love you. And then in verse 32, he explains to them that every one of them will scatter. I love you and I know you're going to deny me. When I think about being loved or loving people. Like you can can trick people into loving you. You can hide a lot of things about yourself so that people love you. But how many people do you think would love you if they knew every single thought and every hidden thing? How many people do you think if they knew everything about you would actually press in rather than pull away. And God knows every single thing about you and he chooses to love you. And that choice is important because God doesn't need you. It's, more, it's better to be wanted than needed. And God looks down and Christ enters in and he says, it's not that I need you, it's that I want you. I want to love you. I choose to love you. And I know every single thing thing about who you are. But love converges with the cross. And so you have to ask, man, how does that work out practically? Because when I think about all the things that could possibly be wrong with me and all of the ways that I've messed up, I think, man, how could God love me in the way that Christ says he does? And John three sixteen through 18 explains that. It says, when Christ is explaining what he's doing, when he looks to the cross, what he sees regarding mankind is total condemnation and perfect love converging. Total condemnation and perfect love. And in the crucifixion, what he reveals is that he loves us so much, God loves us so much that Jesus takes on that condemnation for you. He chooses it because he desperately loves you. You are loved so much that Jesus takes on your condemnation. And the cross reveals that. But the question is what does the resurrection have to say regarding love? In John 21, 15 through 18, John chapter 21, 15 through 18, after Jesus has risen, he begins to speak to his disciples, and, and he talks to Peter here, and it says this. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to, them, said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. <coughs> He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. The cross reveals the love of Christ. So much love that he drinks up the wrath of God. The resurrection causes you to ask, do you love him in return I think it's of note that one of the first questions that Jesus asks in the book of John he asks to his mother and he says what do you want what do you desire and then one of the last interactions that he has in the book of John is do you love me and in the middle if you read through the gospel of John what you see is over and over what do you believe what do you believe what do you believe do you believe? do you believe that Christ loves you and will you love him in return and I think it's noteworthy that very end the book of John ends with the revelation that the disciple whom Jesus loved wrote the book he could do nothing but proclaim the glory of Christ the one that is loved by Christ can do nothing but exalt him. So, as Jesus talks to his disciples in preparation to tell them he's going to be crucified, that he's going to resurrect, he reveals to us that the crucifixion brings to light love that conquers condemnation. And the resurrection forces us to ask, now that I know I am loved, do I love in return. So the first thing Jesus talks to his disciples about is love. The second is belief. John chapter 16 27 through 32. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, "Ah, now you're speaking plainly, and not using figurative speech." Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. That is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone for the father is with me. The crucifixion and resurrection reminds us that our belief is not in vain. The disciples believed in Christ and his resurrection proved that their belief was useful, it was correct, it was hopeful, but it reveals even more than that. Because the question really that you have to ask is, how solid does your belief have to be? I guess maybe the better question would be, can you doubt sometimes? Can you fail? And if you doubt and if you fail, does Christ cast you out? Because what we see is that exactly happening in these verses. Verse 27 starts out with the idea that you're loved by the Father because you do believe, because you do love Christ. Verse 28 is a full encapsulation of the life of Christ. It's really Like the entire life of Christ is wrapped up in verse 28. I came from the Father and have come into the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. Verse 29 through 30, the disciples proclaim their full belief and understanding wrongly. They're completely wrong. They think they've got it. They're wrong. Verses 31 through 32, Jesus reveals that their belief is shaky and their understanding is weak they don't realize he's going to be crucified and their belief in following him, their commitment to him, they're going to flee. So their belief is shaky and their understanding is weak. And the question is, does that change his love? Christ's love for the disciples. If your belief isn't 100%, if you have doubts sometimes, if you fail sometimes, if you mess up sometimes, if if you don't know everything does that change Christ's love for you after Jesus resurrects in John chapter 20 verses 26 through 30 he approaches Thomas and Thomas is known as doubting Thomas Uh, honestly though I connect more with Thomas than probably anybody else well maybe Peter Peter is insane Um, so I connect with Peter and Thomas I'm crazy and I don't know what's going on But but Thomas hears the story of this guy, this this Messiah, the Christ, who he's been following, that he watched die. He knows Jesus is dead, and now people are saying the dead guy is actually walking around and performing miracles. And and we say, oh, doubting Thomas, don't you know? Man, that seems sane. Sane Thomas doubts. That makes sense to me. And so Jesus approaches Thomas, who, who doubts that he actually came back to life. And this is what he says. Verse 26 of John, verse 20. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand and place it in my side. Do do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. When Jesus resurrects, he doesn't deny those who have doubts or those who fail. That is every single one of his disciples. They all failed. They all doubted. Instead, when he goes to the doubter, he calls them even closer. It was Thomas in his doubts that gets to touch the wounds. We don't know that any other disciple got to do that. Thomas alone gets to touch the hands and the side and realize the wounds of Christ. The resurrection tells us that when we doubt, Jesus wants to draw us even closer. Your struggle with your doubts can lead to deeper intimacy with Christ. So, number one, Jesus wants you to know that you are loved with a love that defeats condemnation. Number two, he wants you to know that you have not believed in vain, and that even if your belief is shaky, He wants to draw you deeper into intimacy. So love and belief. Lastly, peace. John 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The last thing that Jesus promises his disciples, the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples before he prays in the book of John, before he's betrayed and arrested, this is the last thing that John records. And it's a promise, a twofold promise. Number one, you will have peace. Number two, you will have tribulation. And those two things seem contradictory. How do you have those two things? at the same time. And I think it's found in, I think the answer to that question is found in John chapter 14, verses 25 through 28. John chapter 14, 25 through 28. Jesus is once again, he's speaking of his, his crucifixion and resurrection. And, and actually this is the first time that the word peace is used in the book. So I think it's important. Uh, And it says this, Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, but not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Jesus is talking about his crucifixion resurrection. I'm going away. And he doesn't just say we get peace. It isn't just an idea of of peace as, as we function within the world Uh, Normally, rather, he pushes it past that, not like the peace of the world, a specific type of peace, the peace that Christ has. My peace I leave with you, the peace of Christ. The peace that endures the cross, ultimate tribulation, because it trusts in the Father's plan. The peace that endures the cross for the joy that is set before him it is a peace that recognizes temporary suffering in light of eternal perspective. That is the peace that you're given. Jesus offers us a peace, the same peace that he had when he looked at the cross and said, this is for a moment, but I'm, I'm calling people into eternity. I'm going to sit on the throne for eternity. Jesus offers us peace that recognizes temporary suffering in the light of eternal perspective. It is a peace that exists because we know that Christ will make all things right. And so as we may be struggling a lot right now, maybe the, the tribulation that we're in is, is heavier than others. Maybe Maybe some are, are depressed. The economy is destroyed and, and the world's asking, what are we going to do? And, and death seems real and fears all over. Can I have that peace? Is there something to look forward to? And I want to remind you of Revelation chapter 21, verses three through four. Revelation chapter 21, verses three through four. Revelation chapter 21, verses three before, This is the, the hope of eternity. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. When, look, when Christ looks to His disciples and speaks of the crucifixion and resurrection, He offers them peace, peace that can surpass. The agony of the cross, peace that can surpass the suffering of this current world, peace that longs for and looks to a promise that is secured by the resurrection, that God will dwell with man. Peace that recognizes temporary suffering in light of the eternal perspective. let's pray. Father. Um, I feel like I haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what Christ is saying to his disciples. And so I'm thankful that we get to break up into our micro churches and discuss some of these things a little bit more. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd guide those discussions. If I have said anything that is untrue or wrong, I ask that you would make us forget it. And the things that have been spoken in truth from your word, I ask that you would Build them into our hearts, knit them into who we are, that we might know the love that you have for us, that our our belief in you would be solidified, that in our doubts, we would draw closer to you and that we would have an insane amount of peace, a peace that stems from the hope and, and the knowledge of the promise that you've given us, that you will dwell with us, that you will wipe away the tears, that we get you. We thank you. We praise you because you are glorious and you are wonderful. That you, you sacrificed us. You chose that because of your great love for us. In your name, amen. Mm
1: So no deep. Feelings safety head and we no more There's no sacrifice to offer. There's